This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. Here's your host, Chris Adams-Wall. Hello, everybody, and welcome to our latest show. In today's episode of This Week in Rays Baseball, I'll sit down with Andy Freed and Neil Solons to review the league championship series and to preview the 2023 World Series between the Arizona Diamondbacks and the Texas Rangers. Then I'll be joined by Rays general manager Peter Bendix to discuss Tampa Bay's offseason, some coaching changes, and moves in baseball operations. That's all next on This Week in Rays Baseball. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. All right, welcome back to This Week in Rays Baseball. Chris Adams-Wall joined now by the voices of the Rays, Andy Freed and Neil Solons. And guys, we have reached the World Series finally, and it's just as we all predicted. It's going to be the Arizona Diamondbacks and the Texas Rangers. We will get to that momentarily. But let's start by reviewing both championship series Let's start in the American League where it looked like Houston had it wrapped up after that big home run by Jose Altuve in game five. I think most people's minds went, well, Houston's going to be there again. But little did people know the Astros have been horrible at home this year. So they go back to Houston where they did have a problem and the Texas Rangers won game six and game seven and they won it in convincing fashion. So congratulations to the Rangers led by Bruce Bochy. But what did you guys make of that big series between the Astros and the Rangers? And we'll start with you, Andy Freed. Well, I mean, as always, the postseason never disappoints. I mean, it is true live reality TV radio experience. I mean, you really don't know what's going to happen. And everyone thought, myself certainly, thought that once Altuve hit that home run and once the Phillies won game five, uh, that those series were pretty much wrapped up. I would have believed that the Rangers could go into Houston and win two. I thought that there was no chance of the Diamondbacks. I thought if the Diamondbacks won all three in Arizona, 
then they might be able to sneak out one win in Philadelphia. Never, and I'm nowhere alone in thinking this, did I think that they would be able to win both. But once they won game six, you could sense the vibe shifted a little bit. And once they got the lead in game seven, not only was it big, but once the Phillies then got the lead, Arizona answered right back and their bullpen took over. And as we all know, and Neil, you know this, if you have good pitching, you can win any series in baseball, whether it's a one-gamer, a three-gamer, a five-gamer, or a seven-gamer. No question. I mean, first of all, I was glad to be wrong on both series. Um, you know, I think both of us said before the series started, we wanted to see Texas and Arizona, but we thought that Houston and Philly were going to win. And I think there were a couple things that, that stood out for me. Um, Houston struggling at home was not a surprise because they were under 500 at home. I think the big surprise was how good Texas was on the road. Texas was a sub-500 team on the road in the regular season. They still haven't lost a road playoff game. That's amazing to go through three rounds and not lose a road playoff game. So for me, that was like kind of storyline number one. And storyline number two is the fact that Arizona could win in Philadelphia, as Andy mentioned, which has, had been a house of horrors for every team the last two years to win at all, let alone win two games and shut down what I thought was, you know, it was like a slow pitch softball lineup. I mean, I mean, they were just hammering balls left and right out of the ballpark it, it, in their ballpark. And uh, yet they couldn't find a way to uh, uh, produce the last two games and kudos to Arizona for, for getting the job done on the mound. I mean, those, those are the two things that stick out with me. And, and the fact that we finally had really two competitive series. We went through the, the wild card in the division round with not a lot of drama. And this had all the drama in both series. I thought they were both awesome. Andy, were you surprised at all that Houston wasn't able to get it done or that uh, Philly wasn't able to get it done? Because I think for all of us who watched the NLCS, especially after game two in Philadelphia, when the Phillies won, what was it, 10 nothing, something like that, I don't think anybody thought the Diamondbacks had a chance to uh, win another game, let alone four of the last five games of that series. I mean, is this the most random World Series that we've ever seen? I mean, just because it's the team with the fourth best record in the American League against the team with the sixth best record in the National League. Uh, Something like that. Yeah, I, I think it is. A, it, well, it is and it isn't because as we've been talking all throughout uh, the late months of the season and now into the postseason, it really is just who gets hot at the right time. I mean, the Rangers are just so uh, they underscore that uh, in spades because you know, that you never knew what Ranger team you were going to get from series to series, from week to week in September. I mean, to think all they had to do was score two runs in the final game of the year, and they would have won the American League West, and they would have not played the Rays. The Rays would have played the Blue Jays, right? Or the Astros. I forgot now. Uh, but one way or the other, they're completely an unpredictable team. Yet, Bruce Bochy, I've learned to never go against the Bochy team in, in October. He seems to have his guys ready, um, even to the point of them using – Montgomery there in game seven for that that little bridge, which worked out perfectly. Uh, and in terms of the Diamondbacks, I mean, Tori Lavulo is be becoming a star on the, on the main stage here in terms of his comments after games, in terms of his external belief in his team. And then finally, Corbin Carroll woke up. I mean, I remember his first couple of at-bats that the race saw against him in June in Arizona and thinking, wow, what a, what a combination of power and speed. And we saw that when he got the sack fly against Alvarado, 
uh, in that in game seven. Uh, that was a wow moment for me because he was overmatched on those first couple of uh, pitches. And he hit, I think, 101 out to right field deep enough to score the fourth run and make it 4-2. to two. I mean, that that is not something that most rookies are able to do. Those were not bad pitches at all by Alvarado. Those were great pitches. And if they get that sort of production from Corbin Carroll and they get the production that they're getting in the clutch from Alec Thomas, I mean, those have been the stars of the series, not so much the veterans, Fan and Longoria and et cetera. So kudos to both of those teams. Surprises in a way but coin flips as we've all come to expect now. Yeah. I mean, for me, the, the thing that I loved watching as good as Carol was, was Ketel Marte. I mean, this really was his national coming out party in terms of major league baseball and being a star in the biggest moment. I mean, I think when we saw him with Seattle for the first time, um, he looked like he had star potential um, when we first saw him in the big leagues and the way he's blossomed and come through in the biggest moments, I think, that stood out for me from Arizona. And then also just how good Kevin Ginkle was in that last game when he just mows through that top of the order uh, or that middle part of the order in the eighth inning and just obliterates what's a really good Philly lineup and hands it over to, to Seawalt for the ninth. Um, and then from Texas's perspective, I think the same can be said for Adolis Garcia. You know, everybody talks about Simeon and Seeger at the top. But Adolis Garcia was Randy Rosarena's twin. He's, I mean, they they are joined at the hip because they both were at the Cardinals. You know, one is the godfather of another one's kids, kid, and and to see him also blossom in October in a similar way that Randy did three years ago is really really um, cool to see and witness and watch. And so Friday night we're going to have Game One of the World Series. It'll be in Arlington, Texas between the Texas Rangers and the Arizona Diamondbacks. But before we give our predictions, we have to be happy about the former Rays who are in there, but especially Evan Longoria, right? I mean, 15 years between trips to the World Series. Uh, who else are you going to have in there? Nathaniel Lowe will be in there. Nathan Avaldi will be in there, who helped the Rangers win that game six and force the game seven. But I think Longo is definitely the headline for Rays fans, right, Andy? Well, I kept having flashbacks to 08, watching him stand in there against the Phillies pitchers there in, in Philadelphia. And this must be uh, just sweet for Evan. And in fact, even though he didn't contribute a whole lot, he did have one really big hit uh, for Arizona there in Philly. And that must have felt really good. I, I always go back to his game three, sixth inning at bat against Jamie Moyer in the 08 World Series and, uh, and how it looked like he got one up into the air, into left deep enough. To, to get a home run and give what would have tied the game or given the Rays the lead, I forgot. But uh, I was uh, able to ask Evan this several years ago when he was still with the Rays, because Dave and I used to always talk about that at bat and say that was the at bat that, that seemed to be, uh, we just couldn't get those runs back from game five. And we were in Philadelphia, and I remember asking Evan, I said, you know what it's like to hit a home run. Uh, did you think you got that one? And this is years later, this is probably – Goodness, what, maybe his last year with the Rays, one of his last two years, and he goes, I know what a home run feels like, and that felt like a home run off the bat. Uh, but the wind was terrible. We all remember that World Series, uh, and it blew it back in, and Moyer allowed one run instead of three, and the Rays lost by a run on a Phillies walk-off. And for Evan to come back to Philadelphia, and remember, they were riding him terribly and uh, in, in 08. Uh, calling him Eva and this and that, uh, for him to to get out of there with that two-game sweep there uh, in game six and seven must feel awfully, awfully sweet. And 
Uh, how, how do you not be happy for him and Ryan Thompson and Tommy Pham? Yeah, I mean, I, getting to see, first of all, Evan earlier this year and just seeing what a good place he was in um, and, and how much really the only reason he's still playing, I think, is because he wants the chance to win a ring. And here he is 15 years later getting back to the World Series. I, you know, I think we all know just how it just shows how difficult it is in this game. And I, I think once the Rays were knocked out, I, I think anyone who's been around this organization for any length of time was rooting for Evan at that point and said, you know, if, if it's not going to be the Rays, it might as be the same team that came in the same time as the Rays in this 25th anniversary season. It might as well be Evan. You know, I'm happy for a lot of other guys. Look, Merrill Kelly pitched some really big innings for the Diamondbacks. And here he is, what, 35 years old? He couldn't get to the big leagues with the Rays because their pitching was so deep that he went to Korea for several seasons, comes back. The story was told about how he basically was told, you better pitch better or you're going to lose your starting job. And now years later, he's pitching in the biggest mo- some of the biggest moments for Arizona as a starter. That's cool. Uh, you know, you touched on Evaldi and Nathaniel Lowe. I mean, with his mom, you know, Wendy fighting brain cancer, I mean – I think we're all, you know, sympathetic, empathetic, and thinking of the the entire Low family during all this. So there's just a lot of cool moments for a lot of X-rays. And 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 look, Ryan Thompson was um, probably one of the nicer individuals in terms of compassion and uh, and and just all around good people uh, that this organization has had. Um, you know, and I'll say this: he was the player who came to 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 Dave's celebration of life. I think that that touched Andy a lot. It touched me. I think it touched Dave's family so much. Um, I think that that will never, ever be forgotten. And, uh, you know, super happy for him too. And look, Tommy Pham was a guy who who basically helped the Rays turn the corner. He came in in 18 and they got to the postseason in 19. I thought, I thought he brought an edge. So for every one of the guys who's gotten to the World Series that's connected with the Rays, happy for – and I know I haven't mentioned all of them, but – Happy for all, but especially Evan. Yeah, they've all played integral roles to, to these separate teams. And I remember what Brian Anderson was saying, just to, I think it was game seven or game six, about Evan Longoria and just how important his presence has been for those younger Diamondbacks players. So that signing uh, appears to have paid off for the Arizona Diamondbacks. But now we will preview the 2023 World Series. The Texas Rangers and the Arizona Diamondbacks. And I know people are going to chide this matchup. Who's going to watch, right? We won't name names, but someone within our department who uh, may may no longer work here was very obsessed with how the ratings were going to be for this series. And uh, thankfully, both of you guys said, why are you worried about ratings? Chris Miller was was saying that too. This is going to be a really fun World Series, I think. I wouldn't be surprised if it goes seven. People are going to watch regardless. It kind of reminds me, of when the Rangers went to the World Series the second time against the St. Louis Cardinals, people kind of looked at that like, who is going to be interested in this? That went the distance. We had an an epic Game 6 that had the Rangers a strike away from winning the World Series twice in that Game 6. St. Louis, of course, prevailed in the end. But I think this is a really intriguing matchup. This is the third time the Rangers have made the World Series. They have never won it. The Arizona Diamondbacks, this is their second time in the World Series. They have won it once. And as I mentioned the last time we were on, that's the only championship that the city of Phoenix has to its name. All the way back in 2001 when the Diamondbacks beat the Yankees in seven games. So Andy Freed, 
I will toss it to you. Who you got in the 2023 World Series? Well, considering that I've been wrong on pretty much every <laughs> prediction that we've done to this point, uh, uh, and that's going back several years, my head says Texas, my heart says Arizona. Um, th there's a couple things that come to mind here. For the Rangers to do well, I would have to think Marcus Simeon at some point is going to have to start hitting. I don't think he has an RBI uh, since that one against the Rays in um, in game two that kind of broke the game open there. Uh, in the wild, which, by the way, doesn't it seem like that was hardly the same postseason? Uh, he does not have a, have, a, have a home run yet in October. Uh, Josh Young hasn't really produced except for one game in Baltimore. But on the Arizona side, you've seen uh, Christian Walker uh, really not come through yet. And I think he had one home run early in the postseason. Outside of that, he hasn't done much. I'd have to see him do well. Um, can, I'd have to get the bullpen edge to Arizona at this point. Um, but I'm going to go Rangers, which now they can celebrate in Arizona Rangers in either six or seven. I'll go, I'll go seven. That was my initial thought. Uh, I'll go Rangers in seven, Neil. And, uh, this reminds me of the 91 series. I remember people thinking who are the twins and the Braves at that point that ended up being one of the greatest world series of all time. I think this could be a really, really exciting series. By the way, Andy, you'll be proud. I have, I went back on YouTube to watch parts of 11 and the 2001 World Series Game 7 between Arizona and the Yankees. I figured, well, we're getting ready for this. You know, I just to refresh my memory on, you know, Schilling and, and Randy Johnson. And, and I mean, you think back to that Arizona team and some of the moments they had during that set and Mariano throwing the ball into center field and, the uh, you know, and a, and a chance to get the out at second and change the complexion of that ninth inning. Um, I am going to do the same thing as you because my, I want Arizona to win. So I basically, the teams I wanted have, have won and I picked against them. So why not stay with that same pattern? Uh, I'll go with Texas for uh, just the fact that I think that their lineup is a little bit deeper. Um, and I think Nathan Ovaldi and Jordan Montgomery are a little more seasoned, um, which means Arizona will win and then, and then Evan will get his ring, right? <laughs> Uh, so I'll go six. I'll go Texas and six. Texas and I six. want to be wrong. I, I want to be wrong again. I'm okay being wrong. We should now bring on uh, Becca Carney, who is filling in for Chris Miller as well. You have both picks, right, Becca? Yes, I do. So now I'm starting to second guess myself because Andy and Neil have both been <laughs> wrong. Um, but I can't go back because I literally wrote it down. I don't have the sticky notes back in the office, but I have it on a sticky note, and it's it's Texas and six for me. And uh, we're very boring because Chris Miller also picks Texas and six. And if no one believes me, I have the text message right here. Yeah, sorry for the the repetition, but that's that's what you got from us. No, it's okay. I, I remember when we did the LCS preview a couple of weeks ago, and especially the uh, specifically the NLCS preview, everybody said the Phillies. I was ready to say Philadelphia. And then I said, you know what? Let's go Diamondbacks in seven. I'm going to do the same thing again. I want to believe in Bruce Bochy, though. Like I think he is kind of a talisman of some kind. I mean, the first manager to ever take three different teams – uh, to the World Series, I believe, right? Isn't that, isn't that what the case is for Bruce? So there is something about him. I would not be surprised if Texas won it all. It feels like it's their year. Corey Seager is going to be back in that building where he won the NLCS and the World Series MVP 
in 2020. Not a year we need to revisit, but that is a fact. He did win both of those awards. He is hitting the ball all over the place. I love Nathan Avaldi, but I got to go with Longo and the D-back. So Arizona in seven is my pick just to be a little bit different. But those, uh, those are our predictions. And once it's over, we'll, we'll see who is correct and, and who is not. But the Rays have some, some business to attend to, uh, don't they, guys? Because that 40-man roster needs to be uh, filled out, what, five days before the World Series concludes. I talked to Peter Bendix about this, the Rays general manager. And uh, what do you guys think will be the, the Rays' first order of business? Neil, I'm going to defer to you for this because the, the first thing, right, is uh, talking about 40-man roster stuff and the decisions that the Rays have to make. Some are easy, but I think some are hard. Yeah, I mean, I think it's what, five. It, you, you said five days. I think it's five days after the World Series is when you have to reset your roster. That's take guys off the 60-day injured list um, and reset. I'm, I will say there is one thing I'm not aware of and how it works, but um, – you know, Wander's situation, does he stay on administrative leave or count against your 40-man? I don't know that, and that's probably something to, to get clarification on. But um, either way, I think the early decisions, like the five days after the World Series setting your 40-man, are the easier part. The harder parts come later. Further into November, you have to add guys who need to be protected. And the Rays have done that to a point. They added Junior Caminero. Um, they added Jacob Lopez. They've added some guys already who, if they want to keep Tristan Gray on the, you know, the 40 man and see him as a, a guy to protect, um, they've already done that. So I don't know how much movement there will be there, but I do think there's going to be some movement on the roster just because I think it's been reported fairly consistently that the Rays, if they kept everybody would have about $120 million payroll. And, and I think there are still some needs to fill. I think depth of starting pitching is an area where they could get better. So, um, especially with the injuries to Springs and Rasmussen and McClanahan going into next year and, and, you know, two of those three coming back, but we're not sure quite when. So I think there is a lot to do, but I think it's going to happen in, in, in fits and spurts. And, you know, I think the important thing from a Rays fan perspective is to kind of look at where you start and then where you end going into spring training, um, versus getting caught up in a moment or a, or a, a move, um, you know, you're also got to make some changes on the, on the, as you'll be talking with Peter Bendix about, you know, their coaching changes. So, how, how, you know, how does Kevin Cash fill out the rest of his staff? Um, he's had a really good staff every year. I expect nothing different. Um, and I'm sure he'll find guys who are who are the right matches to kind of fill that group out and make sure it stays whole and the consistent message that they they give the guys. So. I'm, I'm looking forward to the offseason. You know, 99 wins was great. This team has been in the postseason five straight years. Let's find ways to, you know, keep this thing going. My question is, um, you know, organizationally, uh, from a philosophical standpoint, is there a change of philosophy needed? Only in that the question is valid. Uh, the fact that this team has won so many regular season games and so often seems to get bounced in the early rounds of the playoffs. Is it coincidence? Is it completely a, a roll of the dice? Or is there something to it? Uh, I, I just don't know the answer to that. And I don't know how all the other teams, by the way, are thinking about the same thing, especially with all these uh, expanded spots in postseason. It, is it something that it's just the way it goes? And you look at, I mean, you could look at it in so many different numbers of ways. You could look at 
the amount of times that the Nationals got in postseason and couldn't break through until suddenly everything broke their way. The Dodgers, year after year, dominate the National League West. Uh, and look who gets in, the Diamondbacks. They're the team. That, that, that is something that you can't possibly predict. So is there some sort of tweaking in the way they construct roster uh, necessary, or is it, uh, is it not unnecessary? And is it just you hope you have your best roster uh, and, and keep taking, as they keep saying, bites of the apple once it comes to October? I don't think there's anything to trying to win less in the regular season. I don't think there's anything to not trying to win a division. I think you still want those things. Uh, you know, for team to team, it seems to be different about whether that break between the regular season and the division series, if you win your division, makes a difference or not. It didn't seem to bother the Astros. Uh, it didn't seem to bother some teams, and yet it seems to bother other teams. So the, I, I think I end up coming back to the fact that you have your best players as long as possible. Whoever stays healthy, you have at the end, and you add who you may need to at the deadline, and then and hope it all pans out. I don't know how much more scientific it can really get. Andy, I think two things on that. One, like the fact that for me, you have an 84 and a 90 win team in the World Series may speak more to the bites of the apple theory. Like that does, it does work. And I think you hit on health. I mean, take a look at the last two years and how unhealthy the Rays have been compared to, let's say, when they were at their best. And, and maybe there's more to how do you, are they are they are they players that they've got to take a risk on that you know they've got more risk because of you know the resources are different than some other clubs and that leads to more injuries or or are are there you know players who are more prone that they have do they need to adjust there i think those are all things they're going to consider but to me it comes down to health and a little bit of luck like none of us predicted errors a, a 5 and a 6 seed to make it to the end and that's what we have right now so Maybe it speaks does speak to the theory that Eric Neander has spoken about frequently, and it just hasn't gone the Rays' way this time. Look, how many times did it take the Braves before they finally got a World Series in their greatest years when they had three Hall of Fame players at the top of their rotation? There is some randomness. There is some bad luck or good luck to it. And, you know, you make your own luck too. And, and hopefully the next time the Rays do make their own luck and they, they, they break through and get the, that, that final step. How about that final at bat by Bryce Harper in the seventh inning? How he just missed hitting that ball over the wall, which would have given the Phillies the lead, and the whole narrative is different. So you can work all year, and it comes down to a fraction of an inch on a bat that makes a difference. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We certainly appreciate the time of Andy Freed, Neil Solons, and Becca Carney. Next up, Rays General Manager, Peter Bendix. Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to our latest show. I'm Chris Adams-Wall, joined now by Rays General Manager, Peter Bendix. Peter, thanks so much for taking the time today. Thanks for having me, Chris. So it's been a couple of weeks since the Rays exited the postseason, and you had that press conference with Eric Neander and Kevin Cash where you kind of broke down what you guys thought happened and what might need to happen. I'm curious, though, now that we're a couple of weeks removed from that, has your stance changed 
on things for the Rays, especially now that the Texas Rangers, the team that swept the Rays in the first round, the Rangers are going to the World Series. I don't think our stance has changed, or at least my stance hasn't changed. I think the further you are from the postseason, the the more the emotions kind of uh, fade away, and you can look at things with probably a little bit more of a clear understanding. Um, and it doesn't really change anything, right? I, I think I'm still ex- exceptionally disappointed with the way this season ended. Thought we really had a chance to make a lot more noise in the postseason than we ended up. Uh, being able to do. Certainly, you know, we're seeing that Texas is a, a heck of a team and hot at the right time. And that's really what what you need to make it to the World Series. Um, and at the same time, still remain very proud of the season that we had. And it ending the way that it did doesn't take away from all of the positives of the season, from winning 99 games, which is an exceptional accomplishment for any team in any season, let alone some of the things that our group overcame this year. I, I really can't say enough about our coaching staff, about Cashy, about the job that they did to get 99 wins out of this group is really impressive. And the fact that we lost two games at the end of the season to a really good team that's going to the World Series, that stinks. That's disappointing, but it doesn't take away from all the positives. Yeah, I was curious, does it soften the blow at all that the Rays were swept by the team representing the American League in the Fall Classic? Because you could always point to that and say, I mean, that team was really good, and who knows, they might go on to win the World Series. I think you're right. You know, we we saw how well Texas played against us, and they've continued it throughout the postseason. They're a really good team, right? They've got really a balance of everything that you want, offense, pitching, young players, veterans, superstars, up and coming, like the whole group. And that's that's what you need. And then you need them to play really well at the right time. And the World Series will come and go before we know it. And then it's crunch time, right, for you and the rest of the race front office. I'm curious, what is going to be your first order of business, though, once the Fall Classic has concluded? Well, once the World Series ends, kind of the offseason begins in terms of transactions. So there are there are some moves that you have to make within five days of the World Series to clear up your 40-man. Um, and then from that point, you start having conversations with other teams about trades, reaching out to agents about free agents, um, and exploring players that you're going to add to the 40-man in the middle of November to protect them from the Rule 5 draft. So you really get going with all of that at once. It's kind of in a holding pattern right now until the World Series ends. We do all of our our prep work as much as we can. But once the World Series ends, that's when the gates open and that's when everything really begins. And that's when we may see some players on the move and some players coming in for the Rays. We've already had some coaching moves for the Tampa Bay Rays. Chris Prieto, the first base coach, is not coming back. Neither is Dan DeMent. Uh, one of the Rays' assistant hitting coaches. What can you tell us about those moves, Peter? You know, Chris and, and Pre, they were they gave everything they had to us. They were wonderful to work with. They were great people. We, we wish them only the best moving forward. It just ultimately came down to needing a, a different voice in those in those roles, um, and that's you know unfortunately part of the the business. Um, but they were fantastic for us for two years. They offered everything that they could. And we fully expect, you know, they're going to land on their feet. They're going to be great. Um, And we really appreciate everything they gave to us. 
Well, the Rays have also announced some player and baseball development promotions and title changes. I think we'll start with Blake Butera, who is one of the younger guys in the Rays organization and a guy who has served uh, all kinds of different roles. He, he was a manager for a long time, but now he's been promoted to senior director of player development. And what do you guys see in Blake? I mean, clearly a lot, right? Blake is a really impressive person. Uh, he's he's young, but he has a lot of experience in a lot of different things. He's a player. He was a manager, as you said, was a field coordinator. And his feel for people and feel for baseball, the combination of those two things is exceptionally impressive. He's very approachable, relates to different people from different backgrounds really well, has a great depth of knowledge, and is very open and willing to tell you all the things he doesn't know also and is constantly learning and that's something that we you know we value really highly with the rays generally is that constant learning trying to improve and blake is is very open on that while also just being a, a tremendous person a tremendous work ethic relates to people really well and think he's going to be really successful in this role and then how about a guy like jeff mclaren who had been the director of minor league operations. He's been promoted to senior director of baseball development. And Jeff's a guy who's been with the organization for a really long time. I believe he came in as an intern. So how exciting a move is this for Jeff? And how excited are you to have Jeff in this new role? Very excited. You know, the baseball development path is kind of the one that, that I came up with. So I'm partial to that role. It's a it's a pretty general type of role where you can fill in a lot of different areas, depending on the needs of the organization and, and your skills. And Jeff, you know, he has tremendous experience within player development. He's really helpful with our roster construction. He's, you know, connects with agents. He does a lot of different things, has a lot of different skills and is really well suited for that kind of more general type role where you can you can fill in a lot of different areas depending on what's needed. And it takes a, a certain kind of skill set to be able to do that. And really excited that, that Jeff is the, the right person for that. And the guy taking over for Jeff McLaren is going to be George Pappas, who has been promoted to the director of minor league operations. And then also Simon Rosenbaum has been promoted to director of player programs and integration. And those two gentlemen are going to be helping Blake Butera out, correct? Yes. And and both of those guys, I think their skill sets are really complementary in a lot of ways. And that whole leadership group with Blake, with uh, with Al Frieri, with, with others in our, our player development group, they really, they complement each other. And it's so important to have multiple leaders in that space. You, the player development space is a behemoth. It is enormous. There's tons of people, tons of moving parts, all different affiliates. There's a Dominican Academy, and it's also remarkably important. It's the lifeblood of what we do. And it's grown a lot since I've been here 15 years ago, let alone a generation ago. So kind of reimagining what leadership looks like and understanding that you need a lot of really good people who understand what we're trying to do. They've all worked, you know, for the Rays for a long time. They've come up kind of through our system in the same way that you might think of a, a player rising through the ranks. And they're, they're ready for this leadership role. They're ready to take our group to the next level. And then finally, what about Winston Doom, who has been promoted to director of pitching? What is he going to be responsible for exactly? I mean, I can guess it's going to be something pitching related, but, but, uh, but a huge promotion there for Winston Doom. 
Yeah, Winston's another person who's who's worked for the Rays for a while. He's kind of um, you know honed his skills throughout our our organization. And Winston has a particularly unique background and skill set, and his depth of knowledge of pitching is incredible. And the pitching landscape is is constantly changing and evolving. And Winston is always learning. He's at the forefront of understanding how pitchers are good, what makes pitchers good, and he's wonderful at communicating with pitchers directly with pitching coaches, that communication aspect is key. And Winston is director of pitching. He's going to be in charge of our, our whole pitching program from, you know, throughout the minor leagues. He'll, he'll continue to have work with our major league pitchers as well. Really try to streamline everything, try to make it uh, connect and that we have an understanding of what pitchers need to do at each level along the way to get themselves to be all-star caliber pitchers for the big leagues. It is the offseason, but the Tampa Bay Rays are far from off. Peter Bendix, thank you so much for joining us today on the Tampa Bay Rays podcast, and we will talk to you again soon. I'm sure we'll be talking to you a lot once the World Series is over. Great. Thank you, Chris. And we thank Rays General Manager Peter Bendix for his time, as well as the voices of the Rays, Andy Freed and Neil Solons, and Becca Carney. My name is Chris Adams-Wall. Thanks so much for tuning in to This Week in Rays Baseball. We will talk to you again soon. Enjoy the World Series, everyone.